Hello, and welcome to this very special bonus episode of Jollo of the Month Club. I'm your host, Diana Koch. Today, I will be discussing my top 10 favorite films of 2019. I also have a guest host. He is a filmmaker, producer, fellow podcaster, and returning guest... Wade Brown. Hi. This is also kind of a cross-promotional episode because this this episode will also be on the Mink Dish podcast. So if you're listening through there, thank you. If you're not listening through there... Thank you for listening to Jollo the Month Club. Yes. If you're not listening to either one of those, I don't know how you got this episode. Pirated. Welcome. (laughs) You pirated it. Yes. And then we're discussing our separate lists of top 10. Yes. Each of us have a top 10. We will also be discussing honorable mentions. So stay tuned until the end, just in case one of your favorites did not make our list. It might be there in the honorable mentions. Yes. We will be discussing 10 films each. If one of my films shows up on your list, just let me know and then we will talk about it when it shows up on yours. So we will be going through our top 10 favorite films of the year, different genres. It's going to be out of all the films that we saw. I saw 300 movies this year. As of last night, I watched my 300th movie. It wasn't 300. No, it was Hereditary, which was my favorite film from last year. Yes. So I figured why not close out the year watching something that I love. And I think that I might make that a tradition from now on. To watch my favorite film from the previous year before I do the podcast episode. Yeah, I am... By the time this airs, I'll be 150. Well, I started Letterboxd, like, this year, so. I think that it's a really great app for keeping track of your movies. So if you watch a lot of movies, you can log them and review them. You can also add movies to your watch list, which I do all the time. If I'm out with friends and someone mentions a random movie that I've never seen, I'll add it. Like, today I added Hunger. Is that a Criterion movie? I'm not sure, but it sounded really interesting. We were talking about the film Shame, and the movie Hunger is Michael Fassbender and the same director. It is a Criterion film. We did it on Criterion Connection, actually. I forgot I watched it. Would you recommend me watching it? Yes. It's by um, uh, Steve McQueen, the director, not the actor. Okay, so how do you want to start this? Do you want to go first? Uh, How about this? How about we flip a handy-dandy coin like they do in the olden days? And and now we'll decide. This is gonna be a live coin toss. Oh, live! Okay, guys, this is super exciting. The suspense is just killing me. Heads or tails? I will do tails because I'm the butt of the joke on the Kadish podcast. Tails, and you'll go first. Yes. Heads. Heads. So you go first. All right, I'll go first. I can't wait. Number ten. So my number ten film is Piercing. I don't even know what that is. (laughs) Well, obviously, it's a 2019 film. It is based on a Japanese novel by the same name. It was written and directed by Nicholas Pesci, who is the director of the upcoming Grudge remake. And it's very Jalo-esque. What's his name? Who? The director. Nicholas Pesci. Pesci? Yeah. Like Joe Pesci? Not sure if they're related, but that's his last name. Okay. Are you going to do a live Google? I'm going to Google it. You, you talk about it. Okay. Starring Christopher Abbott, who is in Girls, and Mia Wazakowska from Crimson Peak and Stoker. I've talked about this movie before. I recommended it as a flavor of the month when we talked about Deep Red. This movie really reminds me of Deep Red. It has an awesome soundtrack by Italian giallo composers such as Bruno Nicolai, who did All the Colors of the Dark, which we just reviewed two episodes ago on Jollo of the Month Club, and by Goblin. Mm. And if you like Goblin, please listen to my interview with Claudio Simonetti. It's a few episodes back, and that's another bonus episode. It's a different Pesci. It's spelled differently, that's why. Okay. I didn't see the I didn't see how it was spelled, so this one is about a man who leaves his wife and his baby to head on a business trip. But really he plans to check into a hotel, call an escort, and conduct the perfect murder. It's kind of a cat and mouse in the beginning. Kind of flips towards the end. Really seventies or eighties ish retro cool cinematography. It's basically two actors in a hotel room. I really liked it. How about you? What's your number 10? My number 10 is a recent film. It was really tough to choose this one, but I we watched this recently. Uh, Bliss by Joe Bagos. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, this is a movie that's my jam. 
It's got heavy metal, like death rock, a little bit of sludge in there, a little bit of uh, doom metal. But it's basically it. You're like, oh, she's strong now. She's trying to be a, like get like uh, this kind of like a musical muse. And she's trying to get this inspiration, and she's like, well, smoking weed does it for me. And she did the, the was it called the Diablo, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, there's some weird like I don't want to spoil it, but there's like this weird twist. When she, with her involving her friends and what happens to her, there's a big twist that happens, and you're like, what the f-, f? Can I cuss on here? Yes. What the fuck? But it's just, it gets really out there. The cinematography is crazy. That's the one that I talked about a few episodes ago that has all the flashing lights that made me sick at Fantastic Fest. But I rewatched it again with you, yeah. and it was a little bit easier because I watched it in a... Confined. Lit room, yeah. not a dark room, and it was much better. So if you have a sensitivity yes. to flashing lights, put a light on when you watch it. Yeah, and... or close your eyes. There's not many times where like, he's flashing the light oh, at you. I feel like there's a lot. Oh. I think I'm just more sensitive to it, so I was attuned to when it happened. Yeah, but there was times where I was like, Ugh. but it's more of like seeing this person just downward spiral, and you don't know if it's because of her friends, you don't know if it's because... Of her music, her artistic drought, or is it because of the drugs? You don't know, but she is, she goes crazy. Uh, I'm I'm not really familiar with the actress Dora Dora Madison. She's been, she's been on a few TV shows, but I believe this is her first film. She is ridiculous. Like, like she's just crying. I legit thought I got lost and thought like this was a real person. Uh, what's do you know what the character lead character's name is? Oh, uh, oh Desi. 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 So the lead character Desi. Not a real name. based on Joe Bigos. Yeah. So he kind of drew inspiration from his real life and his own creative blocks and his own issues with his publicist or his, you know what, Joe? his manager. And she even wore his clothes. Well, Joe, if you're listening, if you are, thank you for listening. And second, I'm so sorry. That's how it is creatively for you. That must suck. Then again, maybe I should start doing drugs. To get right my scripts, get, juices flowing. get my juices flowing. Joe is coming out with a film called VFW. I believe it comes out in February of 2020, okay. and that's the Stephen Lang one where it's a bit of assault on precinct 13. Okay, so I'm looking forward to that. So Joe, if you're listening, we're looking forward to VFW as well. But yeah. Bliss, I think Bliss is really cool. It's on VOD. Yes, it's on Amazon Video. You can rent. You can actually buy it for 4.99. You can buy not not rent. Bye. That's a deal. Yeah. So I own it. So I'm, like I said, this is like the newest movie on, our, on my list. And usually if I see it in December, I'm not going to put it on my list. But frankly, it left. I felt it was unique. And it had, uh, it just had this, fran- it was never dull. Yeah. There was, there's times where I watch movies and there's like a lull. This one was never, there's a lull. It's always like, what is going on? And then it ends. And it looks pretty. It's it's filmed on film. Yes. It's so not it's grainy. Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Oh, yeah. That, that made it really work because she was like, she looked like she didn't shower for a <laughs> while. None of the characters looked like they showered. She did shower. There were like three shower scenes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, her her boyfriend. So that's another reason to watch. There's like three shower scenes. There's a lot of nudity and a lot of yeah. blood. <laughs> a lot of blood. Yeah, Bliss was really cool. So that's my number 10. Bliss. Awesome. My number nine is a film that I also watched recently. The Last Black Man in San Francisco. This is one of my runner-ups. It was close. It was close. I'm going to straight up say best shot film of the year. Gorgeous. Yes. Yeah, the cinematography was amazing. This one is based in San Francisco, obviously. (gasps) It's directed and produced by Joe Talbot. It's his first full-length feature. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And it stars Jimmy Fails and Jonathan Major as two friends who try to reclaim Jimmy's grandfather's house in San Francisco. There's a couple that live there, and Jimmy will stop by and paint the house and do yard work, and he just acts like it's his own house because he really wants to keep the house beautiful and yeah. just has a lot of history. Just to point out, did not, they did not hire him to do that. No, he just stops by. He just stops by whenever he I just want to see the audience. He's not supposed to be doing that. 
And the film is based on Jimmy Fallon's own life. So some of the storyline was inspired by some stuff that actually happened to him. I think that the cinematography is gorgeous, like you said. And it was done by Adam Newport Barra, who did a few episodes of Euphoria on HBO. Which I know you didn't see that, but I did. It's on my list, my cue. And the cinematography in that is really good, so I can see it. It did remind me a bit of A24's The Florida Project, where the story is based in reality, but it has a whimsical feel to it. It feels like a fable, yeah. but it's real. It's following And you had a lot of skateboarding shots. It was just very California vibe. Yeah, very mid-90s. Mm-hmm. So I think Florida Project and The Last Black Man in San Francisco, or even mid-90s and The Last Black Man in San Francisco, I think those would make a good double feature. You can actually watch The Last Black Man in San Francisco on Prime Video. So if you have a Prime account, watch it. Yes. Uh, my number nine. It is the only superhero movie on this whole list. And I had to put it on my list because of the accomplishment it did, the the story, the story closing. It was either this or Spider-Man Far From Home, but I chose Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. I was trying to, like, not put a lot of superhero movies on my list. Then, again, like, two years ago, I broke with Logan. Logan was also a mine. Yeah, yeah. So that's technically a superhero movie. So I'm, I'm not gonna disqualify it. But there was a lot of good movies out this year. But Avengers Endgame by the Russo brothers is it messy at times? Yes. Anything with time travel is gonna be messy. But what they did with the three central characters, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor, was worth it. And they, they wrapped up so many like ends and stories and there's so many moments that just give you goosebumps or teary eye like there's a character that passes away you get teary eyed on it when they, they say the line on your left mm-hmm. and then you just see i'm like i'm feeling the goosebump <laughs> pimples right now your like the, sense is tingling. yeah and, and it's long yeah and i feel like yeah sure you it could had pro- to be long yeah sure like this is the second part to infinity war so I'm not going to judge it off. If you watch it alone, like, you know how, like, if you can watch it single-handed without, without watching the other ones, don't do that. It's, why would you do that? But yeah, it's more of like the accomplishment of wrapping up a 22-movie saga. I think Endgame stuck the landing of all these shows that ended. I have not watched Preacher, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this one stuck the landing. So that's my number nine. And it's, it's streaming all over the place. It's Marvel. The Disney Plus app. There you go. So my number eight is ready or not i was gonna i was gonna put this at my number 10 but i was like diana's probably gonna put it on her so i'm gonna ask her yeah ready or not was definitely a runner-up for me i had so much fun with that film it feels sorry it feels like a spiritual successor to your next well my note right here says right up my alley reminded me of your next but not as indie or dry So, yes, it does remind me a lot of Your Next, which is one of my favorites. It is the story of Grace, who gets married to the man of her dreams at his family's giant estate. But after they get married, there's just one catch. She must now play a game of hide-and-seek and survive until dawn while her new in-laws hunt her down. So this is another game of cat and mouse. I think the lead, Samara Weaving, is so good in it. She has such a crazy scream. She has such expressive eyes. But she's she also, awesome. She also could be badass when she's time to be badass. Oh, yeah. And she's in Mayhem, and she was badass in Mayhem. She's in this movie called The Babysitter, which is on Netflix, which isn't a great movie, but she's really good in it. Mayhem. 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 <laughs> Sorry, Joe Mayhem. Lynch, if, if you're listening to Joe Lynch. Uh, I will... Yeah, it's an American comedy horror film. It is the best, has one of the best endings. Great ending. We're not going to spoil anything. No. I'm and just it saying, has... it's, the ending is great yeah. in this one. And Ready or Not, I believe, is on VOD, and it's available to rent or buy on Amazon for pretty cheap. But most importantly, it has Adam Brody in it. Oh, yeah, you and Adam Brody. I love Adam Brody. Also... He is not in enough films. He's in Jennifer's Body, and that's the perfect part for him because it's a comedy Jennifer's horror. Brody. That's a good sequel name. Also, one of the best characters is the grandmother with that, that sour face on her face. Uh, sour look on her face. But yeah, Ready or Not is my number eight. I liked it a lot. So much fun watching it. Great to watch with a couple people, get some popcorn. There's horror, there's comedy, there's blood. So ready or not, number eight. My number eight 
is, and I forgot this movie came out this year. That's how many movies came out oh. this year. John Wick 3 Parabellum. Yeah. Is this on your list? It's not on my list, but you know I love John Wick. Yeah, uh, by, uh, I got the name right here, Chad Stahelski. And... Um, it's got Keanu in it. And Keanu. And uh, a dog. And Halle Berry. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and Ian McShane, of course, is in this. Uh, yeah. But you would think, because John Wick is like such a good contained movie, that like there's no way they can make a sequel to this. They made, I like the second one, but I think the third one was... People are saying like, the movies have been getting worse. I'm in the opposite. I think three is better than two. Nothing's going to be number one, obviously. But three has... God, just so many set pieces. The library fight, the you know him being chased uh, by the motorcycles while he's riding a horse. They go, they sh- they kind of go through more world building, mm-hmm. and they go around the world, and it's not just in New York or whatever. And then just sees Ian McShane being badass, and the guy, I forget his name, but he's in the Wire. He's the bell clerk. Red Reddick. Reddick. He was uh he was in the guest. Um, he's great. Like, like it's also has has great protagonist, great antagonist. The mo- main one is when he's facing the Asian guy, the Asian guy with the sword, the samurai sword, in like that glass room. Yeah, that was so good. Like, it also has like this kind of like neo western samurai movie feel, and that's why I'm like, yes, Queen, yes, this, and also Keanu Reeves. You know, people have been sleeping on Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves has always been good. <laughs> yeah. He's um, awesome. I mean, Bill and Ted. Maybe next year, Bill and Ted faces the music. That's what it was called. Yeah. So the Bill and Ted that's coming out next year has Samara Weaving, who's in hey. Ready or Not. She plays. She plays Bill's, Bill's daughter. Yeah, Esquire. Um, <laughs> that's her name. Um, Will she have an Esquire? <laughs> uh, John Wick three Parabellum. Awesome, awesome movie. I can't wait for John Wick four. They they, they, they just keep on making great ones. So so that's my number eight, John Wick. Trace. My number seven is the second film from a director who had a very successful horror movie as his first film. Is it Midsummer? It's not Ari Aster. Oh, okay. It's Jordan Peele's Us. Oh, um, you want the funny story? It's my number seven. Really? Yes. This felt. This movie felt like it was last year. It um, did. I guess it came out so long ago. Yeah. February. That's it seems yeah. Like a so if you ago. haven't seen us, it is about a family that takes a beach vacation and it turns into chaos when they encounter doppelgangers yeah. of themselves. Crawl, Daddy. <laughs> Winston Duke. Great. He's the best. He's the bomb. He is so good in that film. Yeah. You just can't help but root. For yeah, him. and he's like not even the best part of the film. You know, you have um. Lapita. Lapita. Uh, Lapita. She's excellent in this. Uh, even, uh, Elizabeth Moss is in this, and she's pretty haunting at times. Yeah, she's really good in that. Yeah. She plays the friend. Us is so cool. When I saw it the first time, I left the theater, and I was a little let down, because... You love Get Out. I really love Get Out, and this one is very different. And I left the theater, it was a lot to take in. I kind of had to sleep on it, and then I saw it the following day, left the theater, this movie's brilliant. There are so many little Easter eggs. It's a guaranteed second watch. When yeah, you, when and you, I've watched it again. When you, see the, when you see the ending, you have to go again and see if there's any clues to that ending. Right. I've also watched it with director commentary, which was really good as well. Uh, but no, I just no, no. think it's just so smart. It has all these hidden images. The score. The score is really cool. There's a lot of fun things it does with Lapita playing two characters. Yeah. It's really well done. And she's so amazing in it. She can just turn it on, turn it off. Like, she's so good. Also, the kids are pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. Kid actors are hard to find that are good. And they're pretty damn good in this. And um, there's a lot of themes to it that really works for the movie. Like, Us is... It was This was hard to put on number seven because I feel like it should be on everyone's list this year. Um, but sadly, a lot of people are going for the Oscar bait. I feel like Us should be on everyone's list on how good it is. Yeah, and a lot of the films that are on my list, besides my number, like my number one, it, when I saw my number one film, I knew it was going to be my number one from yeah. the second I saw it. But the rest of them, they could be ranked higher or lower, really depending on the day. Like, I think they all have yes. a lot of positive things about them, and of course, I'm recommending them. And also, what I'll point out is Us has its own voice, but not, like, in the message, more of 
as a director. Yeah, like I if think you, if he you, takes it, a lot of chances with us. If you take like if you take like Kubrick, you know it's a Kubrick film, right? But if you look at like you know how like you see these trailers for these movies like from the producers of Get Out, not the director, the producers, and you think it's gonna be like Get Out, and you realize it's not. No, it just means because someone has on it. I know, but I'm saying like it's proof that Jordan Peele. The reason why it's not like those movies that are made by the producers instead of the directors, there's an there's an obvious showing of this is Jordan talent. Peele. This yeah, is Jordan, Jordan Peele. Has he has talent. his own flavor and taste to it, and that's what matters. A lot of hard directors. You mentioned Ari Aster. He had a voice. He, at least his seemed like it was an Ari Aster film. A lot yeah. of hard directors do not have that kind of flavor or taste. You're like, oh, who directed that? Oh, I have no clue who yeah. directed that. Well, and Jordan Peele took a lot of chances so i feel like this this one is quite different from get out i think the things he has to say are quite different good for him it was like a ballsy move to do something just so just outlandish just say it's funny that his movies are more twilight zone than the twilight zone show (laughs) um but yeah our collective number seven is us wow who saw that coming that not me so we can move up to number six okay number six parasite it's on my list okay we will talk about that when it pops up on your yeah. lists. So we'll come back to number six. Uh, my number six is Knives Out. Fun. Is that on your list? No. Oh, wow. It's uh, on my honorable mentions list. Uh, yeah. I, I there were so many good movies. No offense, Ryan Johnson, because I know you're listening. But there were so many good movies that came out this year. Yeah. Knives Out was super fun. I'm not a big fan of Wes Anderson films, but this is like a Wes Anderson type film done not as dry. It felt crazy. Clever. It took it took uh, the the murder mystery. It flipped it on its head. Uh, what like in the middle section when you find out like because the audience knows what happens around like thirty minutes in they know what happens to the the deceased character. What is the who plays him? Chris Plummer. Like his character is like you know what happens, but at the end it they just, they just totally twisted on you. It's like one of those movies like you think you can figure it out, but you then you don't. Great performances. Uh, uh, Michael Shannon is classic. Uh, Tony Collette. Tony Collette, of course, is like, oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> um, kid from It. Who <laughs> uh, plays the masturbating and Nazi? Nazi infant. <laughs> yeah. Um, Daniel Craig is fantastic mm-hmm. with his like his Southern crawl accent from Kentucky. Lakeith Stanfield's in this, and he's great in this. Yeah. Uh, Noah Sagan's in it. He is someone that Ryan Johnson works with a lot. He was in Brick. He had a small part in the Star Wars Last Jedi. Last Jedi being someone that has seen all of Ryan Johnson's films, and I'm like, oh, it's Noah. There he is. And of course, Chris Evans. So good. Uh, with that sweater. Did you mention Anna de Armas? No, I was going to mention her because I did not know who she was, but she's going to be in the next Bond film. So she is. And she looks like she's like dressed all like casual like she's like homely but there's no hiding when she's gorgeous yeah and then you see like the bond poster and you're like wow she is stunning yeah she's very Um, stunning gorgeous gorgeous too bad she vomits all the time (laughs) Um, her character vomits (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna switch it up because my number five is parasite okay so we'll talk about parasite i don't want to leave it like sitting here but my number five is parasite so we can talk about parasite now all right, so we're uh, done with Knives Out. Yes. Which was your number? Six. Six. So my number five. Now we're going to your number five. So now we're going to be out of order now. Well, no, you're going to do number five and then number four. Okay. Yeah, I, I just want to do it because, you know, we mentioned Parasite, but it's like it's out there in the ether now. Might as well, <laughs> might as well bring it home. Yeah, Parasite by right. Bong Joon-ho. So comedy, drama, thriller, not really horror. What a well-done film. Yeah. And there's like if you like I've watched a couple of videos on it like analysis or whatever, um, and people are like, yeah, there's a lot of class stuff. Oh, yeah. Like you know His when films tend to have that like Snowpiercer, Okja, they always have some sort of underlying class. I think this might be my first Bong Joon-ho film. Really, I've never seen Snowpiercer or Okja. Snowpiercer is really great. I believe it's on Netflix. It's been on my Netflix queue for like four years. Yeah, now, it's so. been, if it's still on Netflix, yes, it's on Netflix. Um, so this one is foreign. It's about an unemployed family who takes an interest in a wealthy family as they begin to integrate themselves into the wealthy family's lives. So they take jobs as a tutor, an art teacher, a chauffeur, and a maid. Is she an art teacher or is she like an art therapist or something? 
Uh, yeah, like art therapist, art teacher. Because she's yeah. because the mom's worried about the son. So funny. And yeah. so it's just so the humor in it is just And then what well, he said like he was looking at the kids painting and what what's this? Self portrait. Yeah. Uh, like, what a interesting monkey yeah. or something. Yeah. And there was she's like, Oh yeah, that's just that's a self portrait. It's a little bit heartwarming. It's Tragic. Yeah, definitely it has, it's tragic at times. And then it gets balls crazy, like like around like the second, third act, it just gets crazy. Parasite will be nominated for a bunch of awards next year, I'm sure. So it's one that I would highly recommend watching if you watch the Oscars or any type of big film awards. Definitely. Yeah, I really like that the cinematography's great on that, too. I believe it's South Korean. Also, great performance by the dad. By the, the poor dad. Yeah, the dad is actually a staple for Bong Joon. Yeah, like he's fantastic in this. He's always one of the best parts of his movies. Oh, yeah. He's so good. What is your number five? My number five is The Art of Self-Defense. You know what, Diana? That's my number four. <laughs> so I might as well talk about him now. <laughs> All right. Riley Stern's The Art of Self-Defense. It's a dark comedy starring Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots who is in Green Room, which is one of my favorites, and I would highly recommend watching Green Room. If you have not, just watch it. I think that if you're listening to this podcast, you will like Green Room. She's so also, watch that. She's also in the Fright Nights remake. The Fright Night remake. Yeah, this movie, we saw it together at uh, Maryland Film Festival. I wanted to put this as my number one based on uh, how fun I had as an experience watching it. Just so good. Yeah. The writing is so clever it's on this. It's the story of Jesse Eisenberg's character who gets attacked on the street and then he joins a local dojo to do karate. Yeah. He just wants to learn self-defense and it's just, it takes a comedic turn yeah. and a dark turn. Oh, it gets super dark. Yeah. And Riley Stearns previously directed a film called Faults which came out a few years ago, that I would highly recommend watching it. And this is his follow-up to that. And he wrote and directed this one. So good. So funny. I laughed so freaking hard in the theater. We saw So we saw it at Maryland Film Festival, and then we went to see it again yes. when it came out. Yeah. Uh, it was still just as funny to me. And, like, I don't like Jesse Eisenberg at all. Not really. Yeah, I don't particularly care for him either, but... But I feel like the director... This took, character... Took the essence of, mm-hmm. uh, of Eisenberg... In the correct direction, they didn't make him Lex Luthor. They didn't do some weird shit with him. They they knew he knew as a director, he knew his actor's talents and pushed it on the screen. I also love like the set design where like if he gets dog food, it just says dog food. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very like dark comedy like that. The belts crack me up. The belt ever. joke is so good. The belt joke is so stupid. But so funny at the same time. There's just so many funny parts, and I can't wait to watch this one again, which will be super easy because it is coming to Hulu on January 6th. Seriously, watch Art of Self-Defense. A lot of people are sleeping on this film. Yeah, the Art of Self-Defense on Hulu in a week after this comes out. Like, seriously, people are sleeping on this film. You shouldn't. It's actually very clever and funny. I agree. Yeah. And that was your number four? That's your number four. Art of Self-Defense is my number five. Yes. So what's your number four? My number four is Lords of Chaos. Oh my god, I forgot this came out this year. Jeez, <laughs> uh, that changes... <laughs> uh, Hon- Wade's honorable mention, Lords of Chaos. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Why- and this is why I have Letterbox to keep everything It's on my Letterbox, but you know what? I, I think I probably gave this like a three star, and that's probably why I wasn't on the top. Um, so, Lords of Chaos, I had originally seen at Fantastic Fest 2018. I saw it. I was just blown away. It's totally my jam. I love Rory Calkin. I like Norwegian black metal. I love just very meta-type films where the filmmaker is clearly in on the joke. Although the subject matter is not anything to laugh at because it is based on a true story of a teenager's quest to launch Norwegian black metal in the 90s and then it ends in murders and deaths. Well, apparently it's not actually a uh, factual based on Varg. Well, well fuck Varg. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, so it's the story behind the band Mayhem and not Joe Lynch's Mayhem. 
And, and a little Burzum. The band man. And a little Burzum And Burzum, obviously. Yeah. And then Bathory, um, a little bit. The director is a famous music video director, and he also in the band Bathory. Okay, yeah. But yeah, so it stars Rory Calkin as Euronymous and Emery Cohen as a chubby Varg. Varg, oh my gosh. And what I like about it is, like, you see their friendship. And it's not really the best of friendships from the start. It's not even a legit friendship. Yeah. It's basically Varg is like, using Euronymous as, like, a vessel to get where he needs to be. And Varg is just a spoiled, rich... Yeah. Poser. He's just a poser, but he's just talented. He was just blessed with the talent. Yeah. So he just gets in there... Entitled. Yeah, he just gets in there because he has that talent, and it just... Also, like, like the the gore is ridiculous in this. Yeah, it has very brutal murder scenes. And and um, very brutal uh, suicide scene. Yeah, so if you are sensitive to any type of depiction of realistic suicide or realistic stabbings or murders... Gay bashing. Also, there's gay bashing. I mean, maybe skip this one because it is... It's not for the faint of heart. It's it's like yeah. black metal. It's not for the faint of heart. It's brutal. But if you are okay with that and Lords of Chaos sounds interesting to you, it is now available on Hulu. Also, I believe in Art of Self-Defense, doesn't, um, doesn't uh, Jesse Eisenberg put on some bl- black, da- metal. black metal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So double feature on Hulu yes. on January 6th. Art of Self-Defense and Lords of Chaos. Yes, uh, my number three is Climax. I didn't see this movie, so it's not well, on my list. No excuse, because it is available on Prime Video, directed, written, and co-edited by Gaspar Noé. Noé Jose. It is an international co-production between France and Belgium. The film takes place during the winter of 1996 within a single building and features a large ensemble cast of 24 dancers. It's basically a story that takes place over one night in one location with 24 cast members. There's dancing, there's drugs, there's other stuff. It gets nuts. This one is led by Sophia Botella, who was in Atomic Blonde. She was in the new Mummy movie with Tom Cruise. We don't talk about that movie. Uh, the film was shot in chronological order in only 15 days, and the opening scene is one continuous shot, and it is like 20 minutes long. And it features a very intricate dance number. This movie is wild. I love it. What's your number two? Does it have four? Does it have a good climax? Yes. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible joke. Why am I laughing at it? Because I knew you were going to make it. Yeah. Climax. Available in Prime Video. Watch it. It's trippy. It's cool. If you've seen his other films like Irreversible or Love or Enter the Void, you kind of know what you're getting into. But I will say that this is probably his best film. Cool. I'll definitely check it out. It's been on my list forever and I just didn't have time to watch it. My number two is Jojo Rabbit. Yes, Jojo Rabbit is so charming and beautiful. It's so good. It was. I, I was going to say one through four was very interchangeable for what was my Jojo Rabbit was my number three, right? Those the three my top three are interchangeable. They have switched order every day since I've had this list for the past five days. Jojo Rabbit is beautiful, stunning. It grabs your heartstrings, great child performances, great adult performances, great direction. Taika as Hitler is fantastic. Yeah, it was written and directed by Taika Waititi, who directed What We Do in the Shadows, which is a movie that we love, and everyone mm-hmm. should watch that. What We Do in the Shadows, please watch it if you haven't already. And Hunt for the Wilder People, when that came out, that was my movie of the year. Yeah, which is another Taika Waititi film. I think it was 2016. I think that's and that one is very funny and charming and yes. heartwarming as well. Yes. But you wouldn't think that Jojo Rabbit would be what it is. The backstory is it's about a child in Nazi Germany. Near the end of the war. He's a young boy in Hitler's army, basically. And he finds out that his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their home. 
but it's just not it's not as simple as that like it's really about growing and finding yourself and trust and freedom it has so much to say and it's 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 heartwarming i don't know how else to describe it besides heartwarming and i love how they it seemed like they were glorified people like to see the trailer like oh they're making hitler into a like a comedy character just watch the movie and you'll see like great film yeah and the cast is really good Jojo Rabbit is one that when I first saw it, I immediately wanted to watch all of Taika's movies. I immediately wanted to see Jojo Rabbit again. Makes you just feel so good that you just want to experience that every day. There are sad parts, but at the end, it leaves you feeling just really good. And it makes you want to dance. <laughs> it makes you want to dance. Yes. Yeah. So Jojo Rabbit was my number two. Are we done? Do you want to talk about your number one, and then we can talk about my number one? All right, no, you know what? You do yours. My number one is Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. That's my number two! And that's your number two. Yes. It was almost my number one. I'm very interested in what your number one is, but we can talk about The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse is the second film written and directed by Robert Eggers, who did The Witch. I love The Witch. I'm this very, is the second I, I, film. I'm very lukewarm on The Witch. Yeah. The Lighthouse is a very different movie. It is filmed in black and white, shot on 35mm film. It has a crazy aspect ratio. It's like 4 by 3 I think. Not 100%. Don't quote me on that. 1.19 by 1. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, it doesn't fit the full theater screen. And if you're unaware what the lighthouse is, it is the story of two lighthouse keepers trying to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. And those two lighthouse keepers are played by Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Yeah, Robert Pattinson, who is... Uh... Like he, people have been, people, I'm glad that people are now realizing he's a great actor. They, they've been sleeping on him for a while because of Twilight. He's legit, like good time. He's talented. He was the best part he's of High Life. And of course, Willem Dafoe is amazing as always. And just having these two actors who are just acting their asses off, and their characters are so different. It's such a cool film. I don't. It's, just it's such so a cool. It's so weird because they just squeeze in terrible fart jokes in there. I tired of you farting. <laughs> And also has like mermaids and has like Cthulhu or Cthulhu, however you want to pronounce it, symbolism there. Mostly because tentacles, but there that also could be a nautical thing. Craziness. A little bit of a like kind of like a pent up sexual frustration. Oh, yeah. I mean, the underlying themes for this one are a plenty. You yes. can talk about it for days. But of it's also so themes. weird. It's very art house, uh-huh. it's very pretentious. The way it's, it's filmed, so, the way it's filmed, you know it's going to be art house. Yeah, it's so well done. There are films that are very art house and pretentious, but they're not very good. Yeah. This one, at least it has something to say. It has great lead actors, beautiful cinematography. Robert Eggers, super talented. Yeah. Can't wait for his next movie. He actually has been in talks forever for a Nosferatu movie. He will not confirm nor deny it. But I would love to see his take. You have to call it the vampire because of the witch, the lighthouse, the vampire, the Nosferatu. I'd watch that. Yeah, it makes you feel like you sh- he should have shot Nosferatu like that, like in this aspect ratio in black and white and film, you know. Probably. Yeah. He may switch it up just so that he's not being repetitive. Yeah. But I get that. Which is great. Awesome movie. All right. Yep. So my number one was the lighthouse. Your number two was the lighthouse. So the reason why it was it was giving me number one, but there was like times where I was just like, "There's aspects of the movie I don't like fully get yet," and I haven't watched it again since. I don't think it's available right now. Next year. Oh, one thing I did need to mention that just blew my mind. Willem Dafoe learned how to knit for his role in really? this film. So he learned how to knit. For this acting job. I mean, it makes all that bank. I mean, he's, ah, screw it. I'll learn how to knit. Screw it. <laughs> That's interesting. That's an interesting little tidbit there. But like, like I said, I have to see it again. And there's just so many aspects that are still kind of confusing to me. So that's why it's not my number one. My number one, you're not going to see it coming. It's technically, it was released in 2017. And it's a foreign film. It was released over there in 2017. But it came to us in 2019. So it's a 2019 movie for us. One cut of the dead. Really? Yes. 
I am so glad you like that one. Like, it's not one of my favorites, but when I saw it, I recommended it to you because I'm like, you're gonna really like this one. I like movies about as someone who's been on film sets. I like movies about filmmaking. It's such a weird movie structurally, but it's also a really good three act movie. That the first act is the zombie part, and then the second act is the behind the scenes, the pre, or, the yeah, pre production, yeah. and then spoilers. Spoilers, the third act is behind the scenes. Spoilers basically. galore. The first 30 minutes that the zombie film is actually a f- film being made. Yeah. Which is, it is spoilers, but it's good to know because you could turn this on and be because appalled. You can just think, what is this crap? And the, turn it off. Especially when they stop and they're just looking like, and then they say a line that's a big, like, was that a terrible acting job? Yeah. But then, like, it all pays off in the end. I think it's good that the listeners know that the first 30 minutes is not what the real film is. Yeah, like. and then the f- and it ends crazy. It's, like, it's actually a pretty good short film. And then you get to, like, the pre-production, which is the second act. And then the making of is the third act. And you see these little things, like, oh, my God. Just to think how integral planning this movie was. Okay, so we need this guy to have IBS or whatever, and he has to go poop <laughs> or whatever. And we need the director to play the, the part. Like, so many things that they had to plan to make it all kind of make sense, and I feel like it's a flawlessly kind of made. It's got, it's got so much heart. And at the end, when they're building the pyramid or whatever... There's just so much, like, kind of glee and charm. Like, you're feeling good, you know? It makes you want to do something. It makes you want to help out on a film project or do something. Or just be part of that camaraderie of these people who don't particularly like each other as much. And also the daughter's little side plot is very cute. I love this movie. Yeah, One Cut of the Dead is available on Shudder. Yes. It's a Shudder exclusive. If you have Shudder, watch it. If you don't, get Shudder. It's $5 a month. It's a curated horror streaming service. It's really awesome, especially if you don't know what to watch. You can just turn on the app, and they have Shudder TV. So they're constantly (sighs) streaming movies. A few days ago, I didn't know what to watch, so I went to Shudder. I couldn't really decide, so I put Shudder TV, and a movie called Better Watch Out just started playing. So I watched that. It was perfect. One Cut of the Dead. I was unanticipating this to be my top... Real talk, when I was making my list, this was a runner-up. And I just started thinking about it. I had a really good time watching. I'm going to put it on the list. And I kept moving up, moving up, moving up. And now it's number one. A true underdog story. It's the lighthouse. It's a true number one... uh, I find it so interesting that our top seven was very similar. I'm not. I felt like we were going to repeat each other a lot. I'm not shocked. I mean, come on, we saw Jojo Rabbit, of course that's going to be on our list, Lighthouse going to be on our list, Art of Self-Defense, Jesus, that was probably on our top ten list when I, when we saw it in, like, May. Yeah, Parasite was obviously going to be it, so, us. Great movies this yeah, year. but a lot of them could not make the list. Yeah, it was So, honorable really, mention time. It was, yeah, it was really tough to narrow down to ten films. My honorable mentions, any one of them could be my number eleven. Yes. Depending on the point of time. Yes. Same. I have, I think, ten runner-ups. I have nine, and one is technically not a movie. Oh, we're doing that? It's not a TV show either. Okay. Do you want to start with yours since I started on our top ten? Okay, um, The Headhunter. Headhunter is cool. Yeah. And this was this was actually close to being number ten. I'm surprised that was not on your list. It was close. It was you have no idea like it was between that or Bliss, and I'm like, Bliss was more of a full movie where I feel like the Headhunter, fantastic film for a low budget. Oh, film, it was very low budget. But yeah. it does seem a bit like an incomplete film because a lot of the action is off camera. Yes. So I think that if some of the action was on camera, it would feel a little bit more of a complete film. The second half of the second half of the movie is where the bread and butter is. That's where like it's very Evil Dead. And I'm just like, oh my god, yeah. It, it's so, for how minimalistic it is, like, when you see it, it's like, obviously it's an indie film because they didn't do a lot with it, but the set design, it felt authentic yeah, at the same time. Yeah, it was time, very impressive. So. Headhunter, I thought was awesome. Yeah. Highly recommend listeners Headhunter on Shudder. Yes. Relatively short. About but, 90 minutes. But... Really cool story, great costumes, great set design, great monsters, like practical effect monsters. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Awesome. But it had a heart to it as well. I like that one. 
my first honorable mention is Daniel Isn't Real, which I think I talked about in the past three podcast episodes. People, I'm not seeing a lot of people talk about this film, and I feel like this film should be talked about. Like, does it get kind of like a little iffy? Yeah, it kind of does. It's like more about schizophrenia more than, you know, Invisible Friend. Patrick Schwarzenegger is so menacing. He's like gleefully evil. Yeah, I like Daniel Isn't Real a lot. It is really interesting what they do with the mental illness aspect, but they also make it kind of a Lovecraftian cosmic horror. Really cool practical effects. Very body horror, too. Yeah, it ends very body horror, and I actually mentioned this on the Perfume of the Lady in Black episode. Very Hellraiser towards the end. Yes, at some point there's a sword fight and you're like, this is the most crazy movie I've ever seen. With two great performances uh, with Patrick Schwarzenegger and uh, Guy from Halloween, The Friend. What's his name? Susan, it's Susan Sarandon's son. Oh, Robin, really? something. Oh, really? Miles Robbins. That's yeah. Susan Sarandon. Oh, wow. I yeah, didn't know that. It's, so it's um, two famous actor, actor and actresses' sons. Mm-hmm. It's Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon's son. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon were together. <laughs> yeah, I think they have multiple children. Oh, he's, he's actually pretty good. I'm he surprised. He was really good. I was very you know, surprised. If they actually rebooted, like, Riverdale and made an Archie show, like, classic Archie, I feel like he'd be a great Jughead. So, uh, yeah, that's a weird pull, I know. But, yeah. My next honorable mention is Dolomite Is My Name. I saw that. I another movie about filmmaking. It's uh, Eddie Murphy putting on his uh, "I'm going to try this time" shoes. <laughs> He's like, try. it's the story about Rudy Ray Moore and how he got broken into comedy slash made Dolomite and and yeah, it's crazy. It, it's just it's just inspiring a little bit. And you see some like Mike Epps is in this. Uh, Wesley Snipes as the uh, co- Dravel Martin. The co-star is so good. The one that plays Lady Me- Reed? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that was a good one. And that's on Netflix. Yes. And um, funny thing is, I watched this after Gary and I did a B-movie down about Dolomite. It was interesting watching the movie Dolomite is My Name after watching Dolomite. It was very interesting. See, Oh, I know that scene. It's probably oh, a good pairing. Yeah, I know that scene. I know that scene. That scene looks familiar. Yeah. And they're like the, the, the scene where he's fighting uh, all the guys like on the lawn and throws the guy in the trunk and how bad it is. And most of the time it's like, can you get a good angle of that? And the guy's like, there's no <laughs> angle that exists. And I was like, oh my god, that fight scene was kind of bad. Yeah. 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 Oh my god. So Dolma is my name. It, had its, it did have some funny moments. My next honorable mention is Knife Plus Heart, which is a French giallo that I've talked about a couple times on the podcast. And I may be talking about it a couple times in 2020. And it's available on Shudder. My next one is Memory. The uh, Alien. Origins of Alien. Origins of Alien. Basically a documentary about a bunch of artistic weirdos. You know, you get the the guy who wrote the Alien story. Then you have H.R. Kiger and these weird dudes. And also you had uh, Ridley Scott, who's also kind of a weird cat. And just seeing the story of how it was made, and you're like, it's a different kind of documentary because they go, they don't talk about how the making of the movie, they talk about why the chestburster scene is important. Mm-hmm. This more symbolism. Yeah. The, they go into like what things mean more than how they made it. I did enjoy that one. I believe that was on my Fantastic Fest episode. I did a Fantastic Fest roundup. Yes. So if you haven't listened to that, that one's a bonus episode a couple episodes back. But I talked about how it really went in depth with the symbolism on that. And I'm sure that one will eventually end up on Hulu because a lot of those IFC films end up on Hulu. That's where they seem to put all of their yeah. IFC films. So Amazon Video right now, so. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so that's how I watch those Amazon. So you can watch on Amazon. It's a very interesting documentary about Alien. And don't worry, the first five minutes seem really fucking weird. It makes sense near the end. My next film is one that I am pretty sure that you have not seen. It's called Luze, L-U-Z. I've, I've heard of the name. So it is a German and Spanish co-production possession movie shot in one location very grainy it may have been shot on film it has really cool visuals it's low budget 
it will be on Shutter in January. So if you want to watch it, I really can't talk a lot about it without spoiling it. But if it sounds up your alley, a possession movie, shot in one location, low budget, but cool. Yeah. Shutter in January. Uh, I want to go, this is a twofer. As a thought, you know, I talked about memory. I might as well talk about the other two documentaries that are on my list. Uh, Fire Fraud was actually very interesting. Oh, yeah. The Netflix w- one. The other one's okay. The one that's talking through, like, they interview everyone pretty much. The one that actually has the guy in it. That's the Netflix one. But Fire Fraud was really good. Uh, the second one was Hard Noir. Hard Noir. Hard Noir was a good one. You see, like, kind of the history of African-American culture inside of Har. Yeah, a lot of good interviews in that yeah, one. That's on Shutter. That is on Shutter. That's yeah. actually a, like a Shutter exclusive. Original, yeah. 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 Shutter original. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. Hard noir, yeah. So that was great. I like that. Yeah, that one is something you definitely should watch, especially if you like the horror genre. So Shutter is actually in production currently for a very similar documentary, but it's about gay or queer horror history. I'm excited for that one because Brian Fuller, who created Hannibal, he was there doing an interview, so he's going to be in it, and I love everything he does, and I'm really excited to listen to what he has to say. Yeah. What other runner-ups do you have? My next one is mainly on my list for Adam Driver's performance. Oh. Marriage Story. I have not watched this yet. And while we're at it, The Dead Don't Die. Yes. Uh, the Dead Don't Die, Don't Dry, Die is so dry, is so jarmouche and dry. The Dead Don't Die is not a great film. No. But I had so much fun when I watched it. Like, I I can see why people didn't like it, but I had a great viewing experience. Yeah, Tilda Swinton, the reveal of Tilda, Tilda Swinton at the end is fantastic. I mean, the whole end is just batshit. Do you have any more? I have a ton. I'll go, I'll go fast with this. Spider-Man Far From Home, loved it. Fast Color is very interesting and wholesome, kind of... A really interesting concept. The Farewell was cute. Not cute, sad. Sad <laughs> as fuck. I'm sorry, sad as fuck. Not cute, fuck. but sad. Uh, and I think the last thing that's on my list is Uncut Gems. Oh, I had Uncut Gems on my list as well. Sorry, I had... So you I lied. Had, so I had made my list before we saw Uncut Gems, so I had Uncut Gems penciled in on my list, and I didn't see it. Uncut Gems... Take a Xanax before you see it because that shit is tense. Your butthole will be clenched, swollen tight. <laughs> that one is by the Safdie brothers who made Good Time yeah. with that, Robert Pattinson. That was a tense movie as well. That was a very tense movie. Unka Gems is so tense. The performance by Adam Sandler is great. He's really trying. He goes for it. Oh, yeah. You don't really look at him. As Adam Sandler in this character, as this character, you yeah. look at him as Howie, the character. He's a real, he has a real gambling problem. Yeah, he's got some, some problems. Also, it's Lakeith Stanfield. We love Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, and also, what's her fate? What's her, what's her name? Julia Fox. Yeah, isn't she like, this is her first movie ever? I think it was her like, first movie. ridiculous how well she performed Yeah, it. she was really good in it. I think everyone was great. The cinematography was fantastic. I actually listened to the A24 podcast earlier today with the Safdie brothers and Paul Thomas Anderson. And just hearing them talk and just about the cameras that they use and the lightings that they use and how they talked with their crew and how they got all of the shots in New York City. So cool. Talents. Yeah. Uh, The last three I had there on my honorable mention are Dr. Sleep. I'll tell you now, if you walk into things like The Shining 2, you're going to be completely wrong. I kind of like this weird magic stealing souls or whatever. Uh, the Irishman, I have to put a Scorsese film here, but I just, I think people are always saying it's brilliant. I don't think it's brilliant. I mean, if you watch, like, on Netflix, they have, like, a, like a half-hour thing where it's Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Bob, as his friends call him. Uh, Bobby De Niro. Joe Pesci with the best mustache and Al Pacino. And they're talking about how like the cameras de-aged them. They had like three different frames, like three different camera like frames mm-hmm. shooting at the same time to make sure they can de-age them. Mm-hmm. It's interesting as a filmmaking perspective. I'm like, it's a little long for long sakes. And, oh, the Deadwood movie. I enjoyed the Deadwood movie a lot. As a, as a, as a good ending to the Deadwood series compared to the freaking season finale 
on HBO, which was not. That. I felt like the Deadwood movie. It was good, but it just felt like a series finale to me. But if you like Deadwood, I would say watch that. Well, I'm saying that compared to season three, how it ended, it was it needed a real ending, and this was a good way to be a that season. That was a real ending. Well, it's definitely the ending. Aside from that, I don't have anything else on here. No. Right. Oh, the Jawbreaker. Sorry, don't break down the Jawbreaker documentary. Very good. A lot of documentaries. Yes. I'm a, do- I'm a doc jock. <laughs> that's what that's called? No. <laughs> no, I'm making up words now. I was going to say, you could have just played it off that it was. So my final honorable mention, I probably watched this more than anything else on my list. The Office. <laughs> I'm not wrong, am I? You're not wrong, but The Office is not Shit's wrong Creek. this year. It's not Shit's Creek. Okay. I told you there's no television series. It is an HBO comedy special, My Favorite Shapes. Oh, God. I, I should have known this. Julio Torres of also last year, which is a TV series. Yes. Los Spookies. Yes. On HBO. Great show. If you haven't watched Los Spookies, watch it. That show is fantastic. Yeah. But My Favorite Shapes is a comedy special by a comedian slash writer. He was an SNL writer. Oh. And his name's Julia Torres, and he's just very weird. Quirky. Quirky. Yeah. He's just a very strange yet endearing soul. Yes. I want to be him when I grow up. It was one of the most interesting stand-up presentations. I have watched that like four times. Oh, really? It is so funny to me. He just has this conveyor belt, and he's sitting at the conveyor belt, and he just brings out his favorite shapes. So he brings out little tiny shoes and crystals and little model homes and he just talks about them and it's just the best it's just there i've not seen anything like it all year i have not seen anything like it really ever i love julio torres i actually dressed up like him for halloween and he even posted my picture on his instagram and it was just the best feeling because that costume because that costume it just it just felt like home it just felt like i am julio torres I thought we were going to say the BTS movie we saw. The BTS movie was on my list, but I crossed it out for Uncut Gems. But we can talk about the BTS movie. So Bring the Soul, <laughs> the movie, is a documentary, full-length film about K-pop music sensation, boy band, BTS. I was kind of jamming the theater a little bit. It was such a great experience. I mean, I don't expect any of my listeners to know what bts is or to listen to bts if you do listen to bts please let me know that would just make my day bring the soul the movie like any music documentary if you like the band it's made for you so you have fun yeah so that is my full list of my favorite films from 2019 plus honorable mentions we talked about so many movies this episode uh, I hope it was helpful. Now let's talk about our favorite movies of the decade. It for me, it's just Fury Road, one through ten. Wait, do you have any plugs or promotions for this episode? Well, my flavor of the month is uh, anyway. Uh, my flavor of the month is so many flavors. You know months. what my flavor of the month is? This last year's episode it was on the Make a Dish podcast where you and me did top ten movies of 2018. That's my flavor of the month. You can check out too. And you also, we were talking about plugs, so you can listen to that on Make a Dish Podcast. It's on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. Do you guys have an Instagram? Yes, it's Make a Dish Productions, because we're not just a podcast, we do productions, like youtube.com slash Make a Dish Productions, where we talk about, we do Criterion Connection, we talk about Criterion movies. We've done over 100 episodes, so definitely check that out. Last week we did Solaris, the Tarkovsky film, not the George Clooney film. And then we also have B-Movie Dan, like we said, about Dolomite. We have a new show coming out if you like wrestling. It's uh, called uh, Rotting Crappy Wrestling. We talk about WCW Nitro 2000 every week for a whole year. We love torture, apparently. And that's about all the main condition stuff. You can follow me personally on Twitter. I'm sorry, on Instagram. I don't use Twitter much. Uh, Instagram, which is the suede guy at the suede, like blue suede shoes guy. Oh, oh, I forgot. You can also follow me on Letterboxd. 
It is uh, Suede MCP. I also have a letterboxed. What is it? Diana NK. <gasps> I have an Instagram and a Twitter, also at Diana NK. <gasps> but if you're listening to this, I would love if you followed the podcast on Instagram or Twitter at Jollo Club. Our music is by Dream Division. Our logo is by Vegan Patches. You can find both of those accounts on Instagram, and I will link to them in the episode details. Also, I wanted to mention a charitable endeavor that I'm doing in January. I'm doing the Polar Bear Plunge, which means I'm jumping into the freezing cold water of the Chesapeake Bay. I'm getting... Every time I talk about it, I get cold and nervous. You get cold feet. (laughs) I'm jumping into the Chesapeake Bay in January on behalf of the Special Olympics Maryland to raise money for leadership and athletic programs for Special Olympics athletes. If you want to donate, I would appreciate that, whether it's $5, $10, whatever you would like to donate. I will plug the link into the episode details as well. So please read the details. Well, Wade... Thank you for joining me on this joint episode. I love when Mink Condition Podcast has me on and Jalo Club loves having you on. I'm, hopefully I can be on soon because you've been getting some sweet guests. I'll start to feel like she don't want me Chop liver. I'm chop liver. <laughs> so I hope you have a fantastic New Year's Eve. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, I'm Diana. And I'm Wade. Happy New Year!